0: There we go. Oh, that video, hold on. Whoa. Oh, yeah. the... hold on. The... Coming up next on Rugby Wrap Up, Major League Rugby Talk with Atlanta head coach Scott Lawrence and big shots Dan Power and Pete Steinman. Rugby wrap-up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub. And Nean and Limber. Stretch your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan talking Major League Rugby. And we have a mega show for you, ladies and gentlemen. Starting off with the head coach of Rugby ATL, the Atlanta franchise in Major League Rugby, Mr. Scott Lawrence. Scott, welcome. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Honored to be on for the first time. Scott, last week Josh Smith was on this show, and yours truly had to eat a plate of crow This week, it's two full plates of Crow as your team is tied with Toronto at the top of the table in the Eastern Conference and tied overall with San Diego for first place in the league. None of us supposed experts saw that coming. Well, Josh has certainly
1: earned his right to serve you that Crow. Uh, He's done a fantastic job up there in New England, and uh, we're kind of looking at them as some things we can learn from them uh, going into the season, and we certainly learned a little bit before we we went into our second game this week.
0: And like your Free Jacks counterpart, you are one of two American coaches in the league. Do you feel any added pressure being an American? No, not really. I know
1: Josh and I get some credit for being the American coaches, but uh, America is a place where people come to start new lives and new careers. And we've got coaches like Nate Osborne and Greg McWilliams and guys that have made uh, you know our country home. And, and I consider them to be Americans as well. <laughs>
0: Great answer, Coach. Great answer. But let's talk a little bit about pathways because these days we've got kids now playing rugby, whether it's touch or even tackle. We have high school programs blossoming. Colleges feeding Major League Rugby right now. Men's clubs also feeding Major League Rugby because there's no true minor league system yet. But we do have an actual pathway. And Rugby ATL is tapping into that in terms of college players on their roster. I'm just looking through it. You've got guys, obviously, from Life University. You've got guys from like the likes of Arkansas State, St. Bonaventure. And I was just talking to Tim O'Brien, the head coach at St. Mary's, after their controversial-slash-epic win over BYU. And that was on the FTF uh, for the Fan D1A College Rugby Show. But... He was very proud of the fact that four starters between the two teams, between your team and NOLA, were St. Mary's grads. And there would have been five if Holden Youngert had actually suited up. Well, it's pretty exciting to see. I mean, having grown up playing here, it's uh,
1: exciting to see for these players. I'm really grateful to give them the opportunity uh, to do it. It's never been a better time to be a part of rugby in our country.
0: Yeah, you guys have all these college players on your roster, including guys like uh, the two Harleys, Davidson and Wheeler. You've got Chan- Chance Wengalewski, who is on the Rugby Wrap Up All Hair team. Stop stealing my shtick in the booth, guys! You've also got the Van Sculquick brothers, but you're making a point of committing to these players.
1: You know, we want to see them grow as people. We have a our first core value within our organization is to develop people. And it takes a little bit of commitment to do that with American players. Uh, the landscape is is pretty uh, fractured in terms of the environments that these players are coming from. So you have to invest in, uh, in looking at American players a little bit different than guys from abroad.
0: And you know about that as well as anybody, because as a player, you had no real pathway, yet you made the Eagles, and then you chose the coaching path. And with very limited opportunities, you made the most of it. You thrived, actually. But along the way, what was it that shaped your coaching style? It always starts with other coaches.
1: Uh, Coaches, that's what we do, is we're hoping to not only create good people and good players now, but we want them to be successful in the future. And it started with me with my first national team coach, who was Tom Billups. And I learned a lot from Tom about being an amateur professional early, about being committed to my craft uh, as a player, doing my homework, things like that, that I think just prepared me for later on in the future. And then I just worked with great coaches uh, from there. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that you can take from that is find people that are better than you are, uh, that, whose advice that you trust, and then steal it. And, uh, and use it. And uh, I think that's been a, a big part is I've been incredibly fortunate to just be surrounded by people from Tom Billups to Peter Thorburn to John Mitchell to guys like Marty Veal, who I learned a lot from when I worked with last summer, to Gary Gold and Hugh Bevan and Greg. And, you know, these are just uh, not only good coaches, but good people.
0: Well, I think I speak for many when I say that the way you carry yourself commands respect and bides well for your season. Well, if we keep getting better each game and we're developing good habits as uh, young players learning to be pros, that's a successful season for us. Speaking of younger players, I got to bring up Terry Matthews and the Matthews clan. Terry is the head coach at Hudson Catholic in my beloved hometown of Jersey City, New Jersey. And Terry and I go way back. We actually go back to high school where we actually swam together. Yeah, swam together. But He's the one that gave me his ATL hat to put on the set, and I was wondering if uh, you know maybe two three hundred dollars we get his kid Eamon some some playing time. What do you say? Uh, he's on his
1: way. Uh, I I I tell you what I I'll tell you something about Terry and about Eamon. What a wonderful family for one. Uh, we you know one of the first times I met Eamon I learned a lot about his parents and, and some of their values. And it was one of the big reasons why we invested in Amen to come down with us. Uh, he is a product of New York, St. Bonaventure. Uh, he's got some growth to do within our team. He knows it. He knows his path. Uh, and what a what a committed kid. So his time will come.
0: Excellent, excellent. I had to give my JC guys, my Hudson Catholic, Jersey City guys, some love, along with my St. Bonaventure guys. You hear that, Tui Osborne? So whatever you can do is appreciated. Changing gears, you had two other matches this weekend end at death in the try zone with no tries awarded. The Twitter sphere was a flutter with all kinds of arguments as to whether that law should be changed that an attacking team shouldn't have the match end while the opposing team is holding up a try in the try zone. And by I say, the sphere was a fire. It was, it was me and Will McGee going at it. What is your take on that? The wonderful part about our
1: sport is that every part of the game is a contest where the attack and the defense have an equal opportunity uh, to turn the play or access to the ball. So, you know, if somebody gives over the try line, the equal opportunity is with the defense to stop that try. Uh, So I think it's within the spirit
0: of the game. I think the law reflects it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think that it's, you know, it's allowing for gut churning drama and it awards heroic stands on defense. And this is all done with humans making the call because we don't have TMOs yet. But I know we could talk about this stuff all day long, but but you got to go. So the name of the team. Rugby United New York didn't really have a team name or a mascot. It's organically becoming the Roosters. What do you got with the Rugby ATL, the Atlers, the Rattlers? What do you got? Well, I got a T-shirt from our
1: uh, fan base in the Sin Bin this week that had a rattlesnake on the on the back, and I know that's been very popular, particularly with you uh, around us being the rattlesnake. So I like it. Uh, you know, I think it uh, represents uh, an early symbol of our country and freedom. And uh, and uh, it's uh, very much uh, Georgia rattlesnakes are a reality that live in my backyard. So uh, I think it's a good it's a good uh, mascot for us going forward.
0: There you have it straight from the skipper's mouth, ladies and gentlemen. And you got to love the uh, the don't tread on me mantra. It's it's more American. Got to love that. But we are definitely out of time, according to what the folks off camera are saying and doing right now. I got to salute you and the organization, specifically your fan base, because they've been great so far. You've got a nice facility down there. I spoke to Marcus Calloway, the owner in Washington during the exhibition match. Regular guy. Easy to like. The whole program is easy to like. Well done, sir.
1: Thanks, Matt. The community has been
0: fantastic.
1: Uh, We've got uh, we've seen support from local clubs and not only that, but in our region, we really wanted to be a team for the southeast region uh, in particular. And that means serving them through being out and developing not only the clubs uh, that come to our games, uh, but also providing them an experience when they come to see us at game time. Uh, that makes them want to come back. And uh, they've been looking forward to rugby coming to the southeast professional rugby for a while. Uh, so it's on us to deliver that.
0: Well, it's great for the league that you guys have come out firing as a new franchise. And I'm more than happy to eat humble pie on your behalf and wish you nothing but continued success, Coach.
1: Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate being on. And uh, again, I'm really honored. I've watched your show for a while and, uh, and I enjoy all of it. There's good content, good humor, and uh, hopefully I can contribute.
0: Thank you, sir. That's Mr. Scott Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen, head coach of Rugby ATL, the undefeated upstart newbies in Major League Rugby. But don't go anywhere, because we have Mr. Dan Power and Mr. Pete Steinberg with more Major League Rugby after this. Join the party
2: at the HSBC LA 7's International Rugby Tournament. Experience the world's best rugby teams including the New Zealand All Blacks, England, Ireland, Olympic champion Fiji, and more. All looking to steal the crown from the defending champions, USA. Over 40 games, 16 teams, and nonstop action. Come be a part of the best rugby weekend in America. February 29th and March 1st in Los Angeles.
0: Get your tickets now at LA7sRugby.com. And we are back. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan talking Major League Rugby. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to follow a Scott Lawrence you better follow him with some serious star power, and that's exactly what we're doing. We have the two Ps, Power and Pete. Pete Steinberg and Dan Power on the horn. Dan, welcome back to the show. Matt, two weeks in a row. Appreciate
3: it, champion. Happy to be back on uh, Rugby Wrap-Up.
0: Uh, Dan, I'm going to let Pete address your outfit. Pete, uh, what the doctor's hospital is up with his his uh, outfit?
2: Well, You know, Dan is either just coming out of surgery or about to go into surgery, but despite what he tells the ladies, he is not actually a surgeon.
0: All right. Fair enough. You heard it there from Pete, who is always in a booth with Dan someplace for the CBS Game of the Week, in case you were wondering, wait a minute, I recognize those guys or their voices. All right. Let's go to it. We have Vegas. We had four matches in Las Vegas. Uh, which made for a a very different kind of weekend in Major League Rugby, filling the void of the vacated Vegas Sevens. Let's start off with New England with 33 points. The Warriors scored 39 points, and we had the first of our upsets, if you will.
3: Yeah, a couple of Schultz penalties are the difference there, the six-point ball game, but really for the Warriors, they controlled the ball. You know, Matt, better than than New England did, 61% possession for the game and uh, tough to win when you're not playing in the right part of the field. Um, Heartbreak for us, we picked New England. Uh, We were a bit scared after week one going against them with the the vicious attacks coming from the Northeast. But credit to Chris Latham and the Warriors. Way to turn around from a a rough start to the year.
0: Yeah, hey, Pete, you know, they got the win, which is the most important thing, and they got the points, which will add up at the end, and kudos to Kimball Care and Co. for getting that win. But it took the sinful Free Jacks spending time in the sin bin in Sin City with two ridiculous yellow cards and dopey penalties after it looked like they were going to run the Warriors out of the desert.
2: It was actually a really open, exciting game. Ball in play was a lot, but they had 16 penalties against them. Against a team like Utah, they're going to play territory. They got the territory. They got the possessions, even though they struggled in the set piece. The set piece for New England looks to be important for them as they compete through the
0: rest of the season. Is it the curse of deflate gate for new England? Did they, or was it just that they were without playmakers and did Utah find a home in sin city?
3: TV 12 innocent, mate. Belichick, he'd never do a wrong thing. I'm, I'm a Tom Brady fan. So uh, deflate gate, go back to New York, Matt, who knows, maybe the week in Vegas, wasn't such a great idea. If you've been to Vegas, it is tempting. So, yeah, we'll have to look and see what happens next year if we do the Vegas week and how teams approach that uh, the double week said, like uh, New York and New England did.
0: If ever a team's name sounded like they should be playing in Vegas, it's the Gilgronies, right? And you had the AGs, the Austin Gilgronies, versus Rugby United New York. The final score, I should say, was 49-31, Pete.
2: This was a, a an angry Rooney team that I think came out. They dominated this game. The Gilbroni certainly did some good stuff and um, they got the bonus point. And for a team like Austin, getting points is important, but Troy Lockyer, he looks like a real player with those two tries. One of those like 40 meters out, just put his head down and out sprinted everyone else.
0: Yeah. And Troy Lockyer, you know, great, great, great match man of the match. Uh, And the only, the only way he got dinged up was slipping on the concrete, which, I thought should have been, you know, covered or a border before, you know, guys are sprinting through the field. But if he's man of the match, Kyle Sumption has got to be something because he was a force of nature, Dan.
3: Kyle Sumption, not only a force, but zero missed tackles for the game. Our outstanding is that when New York missed 33 tackles for the game, which is alarmingly high, which is probably why you see the Gronies, you know, coming back late there. And just a, a warning for Pete. Mate, stay off Lockyer. My man crushes are my man crushes. You start muscling in on those, we're going to have troubles, pal.
0: You don't want to make the rugby doctor angry at you, Pete. But one final point on that match was I got to toot my own horn. At the Atlas Foundation, Jason Leonard's Atlas Foundation function in New York City, I told none other than our favorite Welsh prop, the legendary Darren Morris and James English, that Bastero might be playing at number eight. And that was Thursday night.
2: Yeah, he was actually very effective at number eight. He'd played number eight at Lyon in the fall in the French um, top 14 and was a real impact. In particular, he's someone from that position that is able to get the ball over the line. He had um, four offloads and was more of an impact. He's still not an 80-minute player, and he may not be exactly what New York wants but he's definitely more
0: impactful um, in the back row than he is in the centers. Good points. Guys, we we have to move along and we have Houston with 22 points to the arrows of Toronto 27, the first of two matches that were held up in the try zone without a try at death. And you heard Scott Lawrence say eloquently that it was in the spirit of the game, the law and yours truly agrees with his take on it. I'm just going to say it a little less eloquently. I think it's just rewarding heroic defense under pressure what do you think dan
3: i agree matt I, i'm 100 with you if you can stop that scoring mode especially in this game it looked like with a two-player advantage late in the game over the arrows the SaberCats cats were going to steal this and um to, to somehow hold that ball up i'm not sure how they got under there but they did but uh yeah you've got to score the try and if you can play positive defense and stop that, then you don't deserve uh you don't deserve to lose a game in that situation. Well defended by the Arrows.
0: And Pete, we heard a collective few from the entire nation of Canada because after two dopey game misconduct penalties put them down to thirteen men, it seemed like the, the Sabercats had nineteen guys on the ice for that final rolling wall sequence.
2: Well, I mean it was a game of two halves. It was a great first half by Toronto, but this is a new Houston team, building off what they did at the end of last year, they came back and it was really in the penalties, like you said, Dan, that were were really the turning point that allowed Houston to come back. The thing for me in that last play is, you know, who was at the back of the mall, a bunch of backs who didn't know to get to the ball to the back of the mall. I think what's really important is not just that you get the ball down, but you get the ball down clearly
0: enough that the referee can see it. The referee can't see it. He's not going to call it. All right, and then we had our second gut-churning, drama-filled finish with Seattle and Old Glory. Seattle losing to Old Glory 22-28. And I got I to say, it, it was, for me, I don't know if you can see this animation that Johnny Lewis Films is going to present to us with a stick of butter. Butterfingers. Ho- Matt, Matthew ju Turner? Rock Stoller dropping knock-ons and ki- knocking the ball on and kicks. Were they eating popcorn at halftime, Dan? I don't know what's
3: going on in Seattle. Defending champs 0-2 and, and find themselves you know, backs against the wall going into their game this week. Um, it, it was funny as we were flying to New Orleans, uh, Pete screamed at me because he was up in first class and I was in 32B. Uh, he screamed at me. He goes, I can't wait to see the influence that the beast has in this game. And one player can make a difference. Old Glory looked great against the two-time champs. And I really felt that the scoreline flattered Seattle in the end, that the fact that they were a chance to, to win the game at the death, I don't think they deserved it. I thought Old Glory played a much better game of rugby in this one.
0: Pete, were you more surprised that the Beast was in there and that effective and they got the win? Or were you more surprised by there being a section of the plane behind that curtain that Dan was sitting in?
2: Well, um, I want to put the record straight. Dan's much taller than me. And I offered him my first class seat and he turned me down so he can throw that shade as much as he wants. But I was a good partner for him. This game was really interesting to me. You know, Seattle had the shortest offseason and they're looking a little short at the start of the season. It's a long season and they expect to pay dividends. I think, later on. Mungo Mason at number seven, he had an amazing game. And Jason Robertson could be one of the finds of the season. He's a fly hub from New Zealand. He's small, he's only 5'7", but he can kick off both feet, and he scored two tries,
0: and he was someone that the Seattle defense couldn't handle. Next one up, Colorado at San Diego. The Raptors on the short end again, and we haven't even seen Joe Peterson yet. He's still surfing, but that Legion team looks lethal, Daniel.
3: Yeah, it does. And they have uh, rocketed themselves to the top of of the power rankings or whatever you want to call it. It's really, even though we're only two weeks in, just looking at the form guide, Matt, they're going to be so tough to beat. Um, Colorado looking to bounce back after that loss to Houston really didn't look like they could find a rhythm in this game. And I put that down to the defense of San Diego. Their line speed, super impressive, communication impressive. They just seem to have a perfect blend of youth and experience in that side. And they're going to be tough to beat, and Torero Stadium's rocking, so home games for them are going to be tough for away teams to come down there and beat them.
0: Next up, Peter, we had Rugby Atlanta, 22 versus NOLA, 10. I got two questions out of this one. Is anybody but me and Oliver Stone suspicious that four teams scored 22 points in out of these games? I'm just saying –
2: And they were all the away teams, Matt. All the away teams scored 22 points. It was weird.
0: Very, very suspicious. Turner and Stoller dropping balls, teams scoring 22 points. But what I thought was more interesting during the the broadcast was watching or listening to you two have a catfight on air about who was more affected by the wet ground.
2: (laughs) Well, the thing for me that really stood out in this game was the Atlanta's defense. Scott Lawrence... Uh, um, has been the defensive coach for the U S and he plays this defense, which is a rugby league defense. It's very aggressive. It's very up in your face. And Nola just did not have an answer for that defense and its physicality. I think Nola will learn a lot from this. Remember, they went, they won their first eight games last year and then fell off the wagon. I think that actually for Nate Osborne losing a game like this early on, not a bad deal. And I have to tell you that that facility down there airline on the shrine that's going to be an amazing place for rugby games um, in uh, in the next couple of years for NOLA.
0: That that is good to hear because the 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 venue issue has been a big one in this league, and it seems like it's 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 really taken hold. You had a good one in you got a good one in Atlanta. You got a good one in DC. It's all looking good there. Uh, but do not go away, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be back with these gentlemen and their clairvoyance right after this. If you're in New York City and wanna watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. And we are back. Matt McCarthy with Dan Power and Pete Steinberg calling in. But Colby has slipped in here again, Mr. Colby Marshall. So we're going to have to give him some airtime.
4: Colby, take it away. Yeah, Matt. And as always, I got three things to say. And one is my player of the week, and that's Troy Lockyer. I mean, the magician had a day on Saturday against Austin. He had two tries and a huge interception, really, when Austin was attempting a comeback in the match. I got to know Troy a little bit in Rooney's preseason, and he's a great kid and the sky's really the limit for him and Matt. I think he's just starting to scratch the surface on what he can do in this league. Next up, my player to watch is Jason Robertson, the fly hat from Old Glory in a weekend where fly halves really had a day robertson was at the forefront of that he had two tries a few conversions and really had his way with seattle on the weekend the defending champion so interesting to see what he can do moving forward after an impressive performance like that and lastly the best player in a losing effort has got to go to penny Tagai from austin if anybody watched that rooney austin game he was hard to miss i mean his hustle his passion. Every time he got the ball, he seemed to make a line break out of nothing. Penny Tagov, my best player in a loss. Thank you, Colby. Now get the Sam Hill off my set so I can welcome Dan and
0: Pete back. (laughs) Guys, let's get to the upcoming matches. First up, Nola in rugby town. The Raptors need one. Daniel? They
3: certainly do. 0-2, they they get their first home game of the year. Um, New Orleans coming off a loss, so probably not a great time for the Raptors to get Nola gold. Uh, I think they'll be pretty disappointed with their game on Sunday. I heard they actually brought in a, an international coach for some consulting work early Monday morning. So if they don't win this week, you can blame him. Uh, his name rhymes with uh, meet Meinberg. So there you have it. Hot chip.
0: <laughs> Pete, would you know anything about this international coach brought in for consulting, not named Corbisero?
2: I, I have no idea what Dan is talking about, but I am going to go, With Nola in this game, I think the Raptors still have a problem in their scrum. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge for them, Um, but I think Nola's going to come back strong, uh, and I think that Nola are going to pull this one
0: out. I tend to agree with both of you on this, and of course we're making these predictions long before the rosters are out and key bodies could be missing from both sides, but I'm thinking that Nola's going to get some bodies back. I could be wrong, and unfortunately I think the Raptors are going to start off 0-3 0-3 on the season. Next one up, Utah goes to Austin.
3: Like I'm a self-proclaimed Gilgroniak. Um, I've been there since day one, uh, 14 days ago. So I love Austin, love what they're doing. But the Warriors, same Warriors team that played against the Free Jacks shows up. It's going to be a, a tough game for Austin. I'll go the Warriors.
0: Pete, this one matches up people that aren't exactly known for drinking against people that are named after a drink.
3: (laughs) Well,
2: I'm with Dan. I love what Austin is doing, but I think it's still a little bit early. I know they've got reinforcements coming in. I don't think they're going to be there in time for this game. Um, You know, Utah looks like that coaching staff is really developing them, and they're going to do well. And even though it's away and it's another – Bold Stadium, Dan Dan and I were there two weeks ago, is a really, really nice facility. I think it's a little bit too early for Austin. I'm going to go for Utah.
0: And ironically, I am drinking from the Kool-Aid made by the Warriors, and I'm picking the Warriors. Old Glory at Houston.
3: Old Glory riding that momentum. I'll go Old Glory to get the upset down at uh, Aviva Stadium this weekend. Pete, you
0: heard the rugby doctor prescribe a win for Old Glory. Are you going the same route?
2: Dan's right. It's going to be close, but I think the home field advantage gives it to Houston in this game. The
0: Beast versus a Sabre Cat. I'm not sure what kind of animal the Beast actually is, but a Sabercat Cat at home. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Beast in DC. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna go East Coast, Eastern Conference. I'm staying with my homies. Toronto, visiting the SeaWolves. Dan,
3: uh, Pete, and I will be doing this game out in Seattle for uh, CBS Sport. Tough one to call. I'm gonna sit right in the fence, Matt, because we have to go out and talk to both coaching staffs. And if we make a prediction, one of the coaching staffs will be disappointed with us, and the other one will be overly happy with us, and we can't have that. So I'll sit on the fence. I'll uh, I'll shoot you a text message and let you know who I think off air. There well, you go, the ultimate fence-sitter. That's,
0: that's not going to fly on this program. You're on this program to pick, and I know that we are way out from the game, uh, but it is a must-win for Seattle. So, Dan, I'm going to need a pick from you.
3: Well, this is the most-watched rugby show in America, and I know both coaching staffs, the Americas, I should say, not just America – so I will go for uh, rugby as the big winner oh. in the Pacific Northwest. That, Sorry, Matt.
0: By default, that's the loser of the match. That's the pick he gets, ladies and gentlemen. Peter, are you a little <laughs> bit more of a man than, than Dan is in this in this Well, one?
2: you know, I was going to just pick the opposite team of whoever Dan picked. I think, it's a, I think it's a close game. I really like Toronto, but I can't believe that Seattle aren't going to
0: improve. So I'm going to um, call this one a tie. I'm going with... Seattle, again, A, because I think it's a must win for them and Toronto can actually afford a loss, and B, I don't want Adrian Balfour in my face. So, <laughs> Rooney at Atlanta.
3: I will go with Atlanta over this only because Rooney is hurting on the injury front right now, and the style that Atlanta play will, will not fall in well to a, a roster that is, is pretty depleted.
0: Interesting. Pete, can the Rattlers strangle the Roosters? I think it's a close game. I think Rooney has some
2: good firepower. Their line out and their line out more. is still good. But I think this one's going to be a close one. But I think Atlanta's going to pull it out.
0: I'm going to pick the Roosters because uh, I'm afraid of the Butcher, Kyle Sumption, and uh, Nate Brakely. The Free Jacks at San Diego.
3: You know, if Lita and Waka uh, Waka Shakira, this is for Africa, play the fullback Bowden Waka, um, Free Jacks are going to be in a better shape. but can't be against San Diego at Torero Stadium with that side and the way they've been playing. I'll go San Diego.
2: I think we have to go with San Diego until they show us that they have a weakness.
0: I'm going with San Diego. Apparently, we're out of time. And on that note, on behalf of Scott Lawrence, Dan Power, Pete Steinberg, and Colby Marshall, I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up in New York, signing off.